0: Time. This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You're going to go back to throw the ball. Up, left, the corner of the, zone, and it is intercepted! Intercepted! the, of the Every story. So we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys. It's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner Justin Hopkins and Matt Bagley from 961 580 The Game. Back another week, Scoop Duck and high five. My name is Matt Bagley. Justin Hopkins is with me on the other side of the interwebs via Zoom call. Last week was a mess. Pac-12 and Big Ten shut things down for the fall. The other three power conferences They're trying to keep playing, and there's been all sorts of stories in the interim, and we want to dissect those, we want to analyze those, and also, as always, try to explain things in an Oregon Duck perspective. Um, Let's start with that story about the Power Conferences, Jay Hop. You and I both believe eventually they're going to give up on fall college football, Uh, has that opinion changed for you based on what you've seen in the past week? You know,
1: I don't, I don't think so. Um, and you know, I have a really tough uh, time internally going over this because I do understand that football in the South and, 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 uh, you know, it's going to be hard for Oregon fans or West coast fans that, that don't live down there to grasp this, but football in the South is King. It's life. It's, you know, I mean, it's something that, you know, we talk about it, and a lot of us enjoy football. Of course, that's why you're listening to us. That's why you follow Scooped Up. That's why you're doing those types of things. But, but I don't I don't think you understand what it means for those folks down there to love football. So it doesn't surprise me that at least, talking about the SEC and ACC, they've kind of held course and, fig- and said, hey, we're going to figure out a way. But you go and you look at North Carolina and Notre Dame and these other schools that have opened up and already have a big outbreak of cases, you know, welcoming students back. And I, I guess first and foremost, the, most of those schools in the SEC, ACC, Big 12, in my opinion, are going to have to basically say, look, we're going to go ahead and move ahead with football, but it's going to be at the sake of having uh, uh on-campus schooling. Yeah. I, I don't think you can do it. At the end of the day, you can – be the head coach. You can be Nick Saban and yell at all your football players till you're blue in the face, but they're still college kids. Their buddies invite them out, whether they even walk through a party. And I know it takes a ton of discipline, and a lot of kids will be able to do it, but there will be some that can't. And I think if you're going to move forward and ultimately if you're going to successfully have college football in those three conferences, you're not going to welcome students back for on-campus on, on campus learning. And yeah. that becomes a big problem down the line, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Amy Trask is like a top-five Twitter follow for me, uh, former CEO of the Raiders and a longtime expert on the front offices in, in football. Um, she's got a law background, and she said it this way of, if you're Notre Dame and you just booted students off campus eight days in, or North Carolina, I think it they lasted a week, maybe two, um, legally, you can't boot students out. Say you're doing online only, and then tell student athletes you have to work out on campus, live on campus, and perform on campus. Just can't happen.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, agree exactly with that, and and it's just not fair. Your you, as much revenue as college football generates for all of these programs you're still basically risking a lot of revenue to these, you know, the the tuition that these students pay to come to your school. And I mean, you, I don't know about you, but I've even seen it from like Oregon students now, even some of my interns that are frustrated at, you know, Hey, my tuition hasn't changed. I'm paying you the same amount of money, but I'm not getting any of the uh, face-to-face contact with, with professors and teachers and are. For the most part, losing out on the college experience, which let's face it, it extends beyond the classroom.
0: Way, uh, way,
1: way. <laughs> yeah. For for most, and so yeah, if you're paying forty, fifty thousand dollars plus a year, and and not getting the full benefit, yeah, uh, I, I think you're really going to have some serious backlash from 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 students at certain places. But again, again, I I do go back to my original point. Things operate differently in the South. Um, you know, what if they get you know, four or five games uh, this year, and they're the only conferences playing, they're going to get major revenue from that, uh, you know, from airing on TV. They're going to get major revenue. They're going to have all the eyeballs. Um, At least they're able to recoup some. Do they consider that a success? So um, I guess it goes to almost my original point that we made, or, you know, uh, both you and I made last week, is that, I do ultimately believe the Pac-12 made the right call and they really had no choice. And that goes for the Big Ten. They just look like a, a much worse example of this. But the Pac-12 ultimately had no decision. However, the one caveat was if the ACC, Big 12, SEC do actually successfully get through this, the Pac-12 was already so far behind the other conferences, mm-hmm. it's it's almost I, I don't want to use this word, but it's almost cataclysmic for the Pac-12. Right, uh, if they're one of two conferences that doesn't play, and the other three successfully play,
0: yeah, it, it's like it's kind of mutually assured destruction, right? Everybody's building up their war chests every year. Everybody's training their forces, and if you take that year off, it, it's like when a coach takes a year off. You know, they they do the Urban Meyer thing where they're on the uh, on the houseboat for a year just kind of partying eventually when herbs steps back into college football there's going to be a knowledge gap with him and all the other coaches that just they're getting better every day
1: absolutely yeah Yeah, absolutely you know the, the the problem now is you've got oregon players that were were totally geared up for the fall and, and and it's not just Oregon, you, you know, Washington, U.S., so you pick your school in the Pac-12 or in the Big Ten. Obviously, Ohio State's very opposed to not having a fall season. Uh, you, you know, they've totally geared up, and now they're off for a month or two months or whatever the case might be until they, you know, start gearing up for any potential spring season that might happen. So, um, it, like you said, the time off doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Um, and, and what do you do? I mean, what do you, you know, nobody knows the answer. Everybody gets on the message board or on Twitter and wants everybody to give an opinion because at this point right now, it's all an opinion. Mm-hmm. But then when you're wrong, it's like, haha, you didn't know anything. It's like, well, none of us do. Right. I mean, all these, even the, you know, the, the Thamels of the world of the Bruce Feldman's are getting on and relaying what their top sources are predicting. Mm-hmm. And right now, nobody just has the answer. And that includes the NCAA for that matter. Yeah.
0: No, I I think that hits on just personally um, as as somebody that works in the media like you do, but also just as a fan. I mean, I want my Saturdays. I don't want to mow the lawn. I don't want to do the dishes and do all the chores. I want to watch college football, and I want to watch the NFL on Sunday. Um, We don't really know, and we haven't known since March, and I think – this is, this is where I think the university presidents in the Pac-12 came to that unanimous decision. They gave college football a ton of time, all right? I think of, like, the, the administration at Oregon is a good example. Mario Cristobal and Rob Mullins are really, really friggin' good at what they do and planning and preparing and, and building the system of football at Oregon. Um, they had till August... And when they couldn't come up with an answer to this thing, because let's face it, nobody can come up with an answer to this thing right now, um, Michael Schill and and his partners at the top of the chain at Oregon and his cohorts across the Pac-12 just said, hey, if we don't have an answer to this, the the best course of action is to pause and play in 2021.
1: Right. Right. And, and that's the thing. They're operating with much more information than than you or I have or the or the common fan or the message board poster. So um, it's uh, I, I, I'll say this. It, it seems as though. I agree wholeheartedly with the pac 12s decision to delay. Um, I get it. I understand it. Player safety first. Totally, totally understand all that. That said, and I will offer this in hindsight, I will offer that precursor in hindsight. It certainly looks like they might have been better served waiting a little bit longer to see what the SEC and the ACC did. And it doesn't mean that they necessarily needed to change their decision, but ultimately see what those two conferences did, because right now, and I'll use for exa- use this for an example, if you go to ESPN.com or you go to sportsillustrated.com or 247sports.com and you go to their college football sections, it's entirely based on the SEC and ACC and Big 12 right now right. because they're those playing. schools are practicing, they're playing, they're moving forward. So, you know, it, it kind of goes with the old adage that, you know, all press is good press. Um, and I don't know that I normally subscribe to that, but it certainly seems as though that's a little bit of the case here, and I do believe that the ACC and, PAC and, and SEC are, are benefiting from at least moving forward at this point. and And I do believe that the Pac twelve could have. I understand it's very difficult to you know you've got to project this thing out two, three, four weeks in advance. You can't just tell coaches, okay, you can start practice next week. It doesn't work like that. Um, and you hate to have them get out there and practice for two or three weeks and then have to pull the plug on them. But again, you go and you look at Oregon, who after the decision, you know, Mario Cristobal disclosed that, hey, we haven't had any positive cases in the three or four weeks we've been practicing. You just start to wonder, okay, did the Pac-12 ultimately hurt itself a little bit here? I'm not second guessing the, cho- the decision. I understand it. Okay. I just think that you probably could have waited a little bit longer before you uh, pulled the plug or postponed your season at least to see what the sec and acc are doing
0: right just from a pure recruiting perspective is is what you're getting at there um right so just from
1: a just from a branding standpoint because again and i say this and i'm i'm a pac 12 you know i'm I'm, I'm gonna ride or die with the pac 12 but again in the face of college football the national landscape the pac 12 looks weak they just they just do i don't if you're on the side of being super cautious with COVID, I am not taking a shot at you whatsoever. I'm saying as a conference for them pulling the plug early, which ultimately was probably the right decision, Mm -hmm. but being the first ones to do it for that matter, along with the big 10, the conference just continues to look, look weak and that, and that's, and that's just really dangerous for this conference. that's already having uh, an identity crisis as it is now.
0: Do you think if the other three, back out of the fall and and adopt say uh the big tens plan for january 2021 do you think that perception changes
1: well i suppose it's like anything else in a news cycle anymore there's so much news coming out on a daily on an hourly on a midday basis that you know ultimately uh i think after a week or two Uh, it'll get swept under the rug. You know what I mean? It'll be forgotten at that point. Everybody will, you know, the the storylines will have all changed to when, you know, football is going to start and and the new schedules and all this and that. But at least until that day comes, I think the Pac-12 is kind of taking it on the chin right now. That said, the Big Ten looks way worse because they can't make up their freaking minds what they want to do. They look like, they just look absolutely abysmal in this case. But I don't care about the Big Ten. I care about the Pac-12. And, and right now, I I think they're taking it on the chin. But but to your point, I think it'll be a forgotten subject in a matter of a week if everybody follows suit. But again, yeah. if those conferences don't follow suit, it really it really does look bad for the Pac-12 once again. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think it's like you said, a week is going to be key in this. I think it's only a matter of time if they keep going that there's a lawsuit. From somewhere, and 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 then once you get the lawsuits involved, I think they're gonna have a much deeper understanding of why the Pac-12 and the Big Ten uh, came to their decisions a little early. Um, one other point on this topic: uh, you mentioned the Big Ten and kind of the fragmentation there. Some schools did not want to have the uh, the legal or the medical risks associated with this virus. And then you have schools like Nebraska that they really wanted to keep that TV money. Schools like Ohio State, they believed they had a roster that could compete for a national championship. They wanted to play. Um, and they've spoken out about it. Why do you think that hasn't happened in the Pac-12
1: it's a great question that I do not have an answer to. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, maybe it's that the the. I will say this: the, you know, what I I'll back up a little bit. I, right now, the Big Ten looks silly. I mean, they just do. They they can't make up their minds if they want to cancel the season or if they want to try to bring it back because the SEC and ACC didn't cancel. You've got uh, players trying to to fill out these petitions. You've got coaches. Ryan Day, for that matter, speaking out very publicly. You've got stories that Ohio State and Nebraska and Michigan want to form some six-team conference and play some sort of season. Got all these storylines that are circling around the Big Ten that all all point to one thing, and that's dysfunction. There's clearly dysfunction there. Not everybody's on the same page, at least from a Pac-12 perspective, at least from that standpoint. Everybody seems to be at least on the same page and in an alliance. It seems as though uh, Mario Cristobal, whom I can imagine doesn't love not playing football, respects the decision and respects the process and respects the uh, science and reasoning why there is a postponed season. So I, I, I will, it just at least looks like the conference as a whole. Is is in unison together, and I do think that that makes them look a lot better than what the Big Ten looks at uh, like right now. You know, as far as why they aren't pushing forward trying to get that money from from Larry Scott in the Pac-12, I don't know. Maybe that's something that will come, but um, I, I, I don't know. I would imagine that it goes hand in hand with them saying, "Hey, look, push hard for a January season for us, and we won't push back right now." You know maybe that's the talk behind closed doors but but I don't have an answer beyond that
0: yeah i i just think that's interesting because i i can't think um, i i just well i I can't, I can't think it's good for the big ten when you have a member school like nebraska that has just barely been in the big ten i mean they, they're they i remember growing up i still have those old uh, college football video games back when those were a thing where Nebraska mm-hmm. is in the big 12. And right. I, I can remember we're only a decade removed from this. Nebraska was in the big 12 and now they want to leave the big 10. Th- that can't be good for your conference.
1: Can't be good for your conference, but also can't be good for your school. You know, you, you kind of need to stop flip-flopping and, 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 you know, uh, and settle in and, and brace for something. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like Nebraska keeps flopping around trying to find a conference that they can be uh, relevant in, and uh, they haven't had much luck so far. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And and then on the other side, when you have Ohio State, not only is this a national championship contender, but if you're the Big Ten, this is, a, a, no offense to Michigan, no offense to Penn State, this is the school that represents your conference at the highest level, and if they don't agree with you, I—I I mean, if I were a parent or a student athlete, or I were a student athlete, I wouldn't want to be in the Big Ten. Looks like a mess.
1: Yeah, they, again, from a from a perspective, they they look terrible right now. Uh, it looks like an absolute mess. At least to the Pac-12's credit, uh, you know, everybody seems to be on the same page. Same page seems to be working. In unison, and I have to think that at least come time for a potential January or March season or whatever we see or don't see, I do think when they get, you know, when the grownups get to the table and, and start ironing things out, I do think that's going to better serve them. Where, uh, you know, as the uh, Big Ten seems to be in in total disarray right now.
0: Okay, so let, let's change the subject here. Um, assume the Pac-12 stays its course what are the ducks going to do this fall this fall yeah uh i mean you, uh, i mean let's face it
1: right now you're ta- we're talking about uh you know mid getting to late august and i think the best case scenario at this point is that you're going to get a green light to start uh fall camp uh or spring camp if you will at the beginning of january maybe at the end of december somewhere in that time frame you know, so what do you do right now? You know, you, you send, you send everybody home or let them take some time to go home because we're about four weeks away from uh, the academic school year starting for Oregon, uh, whether that be online or on campus, you know, basically let those young men that have really have nothing on their agenda for the next three week, three months as in terms of football, uh, you know, let them go and enjoy a little bit of summer and, and being 18, 19 years old. So, um, I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Ultimately, the hard part is uh, when it comes to COVID and obviously player safety is the first and, and foremost thing. I do believe the players as a whole were much more safer on, on, on a closed in campus at the University of Oregon getting tested weekly uh, or more often if needed uh, with, with a very skilled medical staff And and having some peer pressure there, you know, to keep each other kind of in check, like, hey, you know, we'll have a small get together. But it's obviously it's all us. We know that we're uh, covid safe. You know, we're not going to branch out and invite people that we don't know that haven't been tested. Uh, You're going to get back to wherever you live, whether that's Florida, Southern California, Northern California, uh, wherever you might live as as a student athlete. And you're going to run into your buddies. You know, you're going to get back around family that probably hasn't been tested regularly. And, and again, uh, whether the, whether the, the virus is deadly or not, or whatever side of the fence you're on, you know, once you, once you get it, you got to come back and quarantine at Oregon. Uh, you, you know, you got to be in lockdown. Uh, I just think if you're scared as a student athlete of, of contracting COVID, if you took a step back and looked at it, your safest place, your best bet was staying on the university of Oregon campus where testing was offered, accessible, and basically free to you uh, to get, and so that's, that becomes my biggest concern, at least through the fall, yeah. is, is what will happen with those young men going back home, with which a lot of them are.
0: Yeah, and and I definitely am in the camp that I, I, I feel very serious about this thing. Um, I, I've talked about that pretty openly since mid-March, um, once it all kind of clicked for me, you know, when everything shut down, and at first I'm going, why is everybody doing this, and why are we overreacting, and then you know, after a couple of days, you start reading stories about how this thing spreads and and how dangerous it's been across the world, and it hits you that this is real and this is gonna you know have a real impact on our world. I think it has, but I agree with you. I think that um, it, that is going to be a sore spot for um, for a lot of people involved in college athletics that. When you go home, your your parents might not have access to COVID-19 tests. My parents don't. They take this thing really seriously. I take it pretty seriously. Uh, we've never gotten tested because it's expensive and it might be tough to find. It might be tough to qualify for. Um, and consistently, we have seen uh, with the NBA bubble and the Major League Soccer bubble that the key to this thing is testing and when you have access to it and and it's affordable like it is with these college athletes because the schools are covering it um I agree with you I think that's that's the safest place they can be the issue is um when you leave that you know because you got to hit the road you got to go to hotels you got to do all that but if if there isn't football and they are um you know, presented with that opportunity to stay on campus and stay in the facility, I agree. I think that's the safest place for everybody.
1: Yeah, and I, and I you know, as far as my understanding is, uh, University of Oregon football has, you know, told all students they're welcome. That there's food available to them. You know the the normal uh, the normal diet plan that they would have. Uh, you know, if they were moving forward, uh, medical staff is available to them. Um, so ultimately, you know, no student athlete, at least at the University of Oregon, should feel like, hey, I got to go home. You know, this place turned into a ghost town. Um, you know, it's my understanding that every everything that they would need to feel safe and continue to stay safe, at least as far as uh, COVID-19 is concerned, uh, you know, all of those things are there for them and, and still being, you know, presented at no cost to the student athlete. So. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I get it. You know, you, you've been—they've been grinding hard for two or three months already, and 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 kind of gearing up for this. And they were ready to play a fall season, and you know, now you just kind of had the, the 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 carpet pulled out from under you. So uh, you know, maybe you need a couple of weeks off to get your mind right, kind of get give yourself a break and get refocused, and just kind of see how this thing unfolds. I think more than anything, um, I, I think that's what everybody's doing—just wanting to see. You know how it all, all unfolds if you know if the uh, SEC is able to move forward, um, you know, and and ultimately play a season. If they're not, uh, what's the what's the COVID reaction from what they're doing? Um, you know, all all those things. But uh, yeah, I guess we just we all just keep navigating it together. In and uh, you know, right now I just have to say I'm I'm thankful for the uh, Portland Trailblazers to give us a little bit of. <laughs> a little bit of live sports and a little something to cheer about.
0: Yeah. Hey, that was going to segue to my next question. Um, We talked about how the ducks are handling this and what their outlook looks like in the months ahead without college football. Uh, How are you handling this? What's your fall going to look like?
1: Um, You know, unfortunately, uh, and I do say unfortunately, because I, I, I don't mind working. I'm not adverse to work. I don't, I have no problem putting my head down and, and banging out three or four or five stories a day when when things are happening um i have a really i have a really difficult time because it goes against almost what i stand for what i feel like i'm constantly just doing right. filler content is what i feel like i'm doing not all of it is we we're still doing some great stuff max is doing great with the zoom calls oh yeah Every, everybody's working hard but i i feel bad when it's like you know there's only one two or three stories up a day versus you know, what would probably be four or five, you know, a day normally right now, because we'd be going through fall camp. And, uh, you know, I do feel all those four or five stories have pretty good value. They provide really good content. And I do, I do believe what we do now also provides good content and good value. I'm just, I'm just bummed that it's not, you know, four or five stories for everybody. And then it's, you know, it's two or three, and, and, and I just look at that and it's like, okay, I gotta I gotta project that out. It would have almost been better if Oregon hadn't recruited so well in the spring. I'd have more to go over. but but you know, there's only uh, a handful of names left on the board and, and nobody's really make, ready to make a decision at this time. So unfortunately, you know, recruiting coverage, which we relied on in the spring to kind of get us to this point, um, you know, has slowed down. It'll pick back up again. Uh, more than likely around November or December, but uh, you know we got a couple months, and and you know I know that you know some of my competitors are, are are doing you know three or four or five stories, but I'm reading them and they're basically it's filler, all filler, and and I'm not I'm not bagging on them, but it just goes against what I have built scoop dug on for me to sit here and write a bunch of, you know, take a bunch of tweets and make them into a story. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's not content to me. So we're just going to keep navigating. We're going to, we're going to, we're me and the, me and the boys are brainstorming on some fun ideas, um, you know, stuff that's at least entertaining, that's fresh, you know, and, uh, as for that, I guess it'll give me time to focus on my kids being home and them going through online schooling, which, was a mess in the spring last year. So I'm hoping that maybe these, these educational folks took the summertime to, you know, come up with a little better plan for the fall. If any of you are teachers or administration, I'm not picking on you. Right. I I know it was, everybody was thrown into a, a a wash machine and, and, and put on spin cycle without, with a moment's notice. But uh, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's a little better plan in place for this fall. Did you feel uh, like it was easy? Uh, The schooling for kids. Yeah. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. I mean, it was just I we had, you know, one of our middle schoolers here and I won't say which school or which one. But, you know, one of the middle schoolers here, uh, I'm not sure uh, that they spent more than two hours on schoolwork the whole time. And, And then they passed. They didn't miss anything. They weren't not doing their work. There was almost virtually no video calls for them there was no homework it was just like you know after weeks i'm like are you sure you're doing your work are you sure and we'd look and they're getting their work done and it was just like okay i guess that's where we're at so nothing to be done about it
0: right <laughs> now i my um my fiance uh has a little sister who's 16 she's at uh, westview and um she had a real similar experience where she was telling us and she had a bunch of like AP classes she had a bunch of real serious stuff but she was telling us how her workload was so light that she could break down what she did day by day and she could say okay Monday my Japanese class is all I'm going to work on and Tuesday my my uh, pre-calculus class is all I'm going to work on. And Wednesday, it's going to be physics. And Thursday, it's going to be English. And I thought, man, I wish I could have done that in high school. You know, that sounds really yeah. easy.
1: Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, it was absolutely insane what, uh, you know, almost all the kids. The only, there was, you know, the only one that was, I don't know. I, I just, I get it. You know, we do have some teachers that, you know, maybe the, the technical online stuff. Uh, you know, if they've been teaching for 20 or 30 years, you know, maybe that's a little bit more difficult for them to, to do. That's not what they signed up for. They want to be in a classroom teaching kids. And I get it. There's a lot of great teachers out there, Uh, you know, and then uh, it feels like you had some teachers that might've kind of treated it like an extended vacation and you have teachers that have their own student, you know, not students, but their own children at home that they had to try and and manage along with trying to teach. So I I get it all. Um, And I guess, the biggest problem I have is that all kids of all ages, it doesn't matter who they are, where they are of all ages, they're going to be severely hindered because of the second half of last year and the first half of this year learning online. I guarantee that they're they're not retaining and absorbing nearly as much as they would be. Mm -hmm. Even if they were going to a classroom and zooming out on their phones for half the class, they'd still be learning a lot more than them sitting here, you know, holding a, an Xbox remote while their teachers, you know, having a video on Zoom or whatever.
0: Right. Uh, hey, let's go back to a uh, a prior topic here. You told me how in in your job running Scoop Duck, you kind of have a flow to the year of in the uh, the spring you're working a lot on recruiting coverage. And in the summer, you're working on uh, kind of off-season training, fall camp, maybe a little bit of recruiting, but mostly it's getting ready for football season. And then I know firsthand, football season, it's recap the previous Saturday and look ahead to the next Saturday. And yeah. um, and now that that cycle is disrupted and, and also partly – not just disrupted by COVID, but disrupted by, like you said, the Ducks' coaching staff kind of working ahead on the recruiting front. Do you think that this gives them, uh, Coach Cristobal and his staff, maybe an opportunity to take a couple weeks off and unwind and relax?
1: Oh yeah, no, I I know, you know for a fact that that's what's going on. You know the 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 coaches have basically been given approximately a month off. Uh, at this point in time, now it doesn't mean that those guys all went to the Bahamas and are <laughs> out of cell range, right, and right. you know they they still have some daily duties, but you know there there's a lot more flexibility for them in terms of coming into the office, not coming to the office, uh, you know maybe maybe taking a week and uh, you know traveling down to Tahoe or or, or traveling uh, you know somewhere with your family, and as long as you've got cell coverage, you can get your you know, your texts and calls out to recruits, you know, keep in touch with the other coaches with your players, uh, you know, in your room uh, as long as you're able to do some of that. But yeah, they're definitely operating on a much lighter load uh, for the next month. than well, then obviously they would have normally been because they'd be in a fall camp right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, everybody, uh, even Mario Cristobal, who we've both deemed a workaholic and, and is a workaholic is taking a bit of time for himself, not, it does again doesn't mean he shut off his phone and he's off but he's he's he is he's definitely you know doing stuff that you wouldn't uh you wouldn't normally be doing at this time of the year uh if you were him and, and let's face it at some point with the way Oregon's recruited at least in this 2021 class and the fact that you can't really contact 2022s till September 1st you're in a period now of two or three weeks here where it almost becomes overkill. You can't keep contacting the same four or five kids every day mm-hmm. and coming, generating new conversation. It almost becomes too much. Where you're like, okay, maybe we need to pull back a little bit. It's kind of like the, the you know the needy girlfriend. Like, hey, all right, just a little bit of space might do a lot here. Uh, so I, again, I, yeah, the coaches basically have the next three or four weeks to you know have a lighter schedule, if you will. Uh, you know, do, do a little bit of traveling or just enjoy some more time at home with their families. Um, you know, yeah, they're going to have some, some daily stuff to get done, but, but ultimately you will more than likely see coaches on Twitter, maybe posting a few more, uh, uh, fun pictures than they would normally be posting at this time. Although I know most of them consider coaching football and practicing football, a lot of fun. Uh, they'll be doing other fun
0: stuff for the c- next few weeks. I couldn't help but laugh when you said needy girlfriends. <laughs> uh, does does the Pac-12 have uh, many coaches who are needy girlfriends?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of recruiting, it, it's it, it certainly it's it certainly looks like that. I mean, you've got some schools that seem to be trying really, really hard. Uh, and the one thing that 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 looks that that kind of all looks the same to me is they're all trying to copy what Mario crossballs is doing at Oregon. They're trying to copy the edit game. They're trying to t- copy the attention. They're trying to copy, you know, the the hype videos, all the different things that Oregon's d- done so well to get themselves to recruiting so good at this point. It certainly seems like ASU, USC, Washington have all adopted those things. But, uh, I, I mean, and that's what you do. I mean, if, if you, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So, I mean, I, I don't blame any of those guys for, for doing that, Mario Cristobal certainly laid out the blueprint blueprint of how to be successful in the conference recruiting.
0: Yeah, that's amazing to me. I mean, Arizona State makes a little bit of sense because I've never, even with Herm Edwards, and I have a world's respect for him and for the staff he put together, I've never thought of them as an elite contender for a Pac-12 title in my lifetime, but. To see you just say off the cuff with no hesitation, oh yeah, USC is copying the Ducks. That just still feels weird to me.
1: Yeah, definitely not something ten years ago we would have ever even remotely imagined saying because that just wouldn't have been the case. But I mean, it, it, it certainly has become the case because I mean, let's just face it, Mario Crisball has come in and outworked everybody else. He's yeah. come out and, and outworked Clay Helton, and uh I mean, the, the, you know, the proof is on the field. The proof is in the recruiting rankings. Um, it's not really being a a homer to say that. So Mm -hmm. again, I don't fault those guys for trying to follow what crystal ball is doing because, because clearly the blueprint works. And, uh, now it's a matter of them, you know, not only passing up Oregon, but, but catching up to Oregon right now because, uh, that's kind of where, where the ducks are at and they've got a lot of talent on the team and, and, uh, if they can bring in this 2021 class, uh, I mean the Ducks are set for a lot of years right. with some really good football players, and it's going to be very hard for those other schools to catch up.
0: So Oregon's done most of the work they'll need to do for that 2021 class. That that seems to be the consensus, but with you every week of, of they're working ahead, they've did what they need to do. How soon could they work on 2022? Uh, already
1: have started working on 2022. Uh, done a lot of legwork, watching a lot of film. Uh, you know, getting contact information for these young guys, kind of building up a list. Um, you know, there's always all of that. You know, uh, kind of what we would call the lonely work, the due diligence stuff that that you're doing to get to, you know, what I would expect is a pretty good uh, blitz uh, come September 1st of, you know, making sure those top 22 guys. Uh, you know, know that 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 you're that they're on your list. Uh, you know that that you're going to be recruiting them uh, at a very high level and that uh, it, it, and you know, you want to get them on campus as soon as is safely possible. So um you know right now it's it's just you know, you got a couple of weeks to kind of get all your lists in order uh, and uh, and be ready to hit the ground running. And I have a feeling that that's probably part of the work that, uh, Mario Cristobal staff is doing, uh, at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be stunned if they aren't. I mean, we talked about Mario earlier. This is a guy who on a day off on the most justifiable day off of his year, it was a day after national signing day. He's supposed to be on vacation. He's supposed to be on a beach somewhere with his family. And he calls into our podcast for an hour. Um, I, I just can't picture that guy taking a real day off, you know. I, I can imagine these coaches are grinding.
1: Oh absolutely. No, they're they're definitely working. Uh they're definitely, you know, continuing to make sure that the top priorities in the twenty two class, uh, uh excuse me in the twenty one class, you know, uh that they're that they're hitting them up daily and making sure that they know uh they're wanted. Um but yeah, I mean there's a difference between taking uh, you know, taking a full day off and at least again, instead of being in the office for, you know, 16 hours of a, of a 24 hour day or 18 hours of a 24 hour day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're at home and probably putting in a good two, three, four hours worth of work, um, and then being able to enjoy some, uh, you know, time with your family. So, um, uh, you know, I guess if nothing else, these coaches are at least going to take advantage of that as they should, cause it probably won't ever happen again.
0: <laughs> no. No, definitely not. A uh, couple more minutes with ya. Um, you. You want to talk about Nate Biddle for a minute?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, that's a good, that's a good storyline, and 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 uh, you know, obviously that that something that hits home here in our region. Yeah. Uh um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a bit of a surprising move, but not totally unexpected because you know. You go you go down to uh Prolific Prep down there in Northern California, Napa area. And even if you don't play another team all year, you're gonna be down there training every day, practicing against other really good basketball players. And not that Crater doesn't have a basketball team, but we're talking about a totally different stratosphere of player. Right. Uh, more than like more than likely I would assume they're gonna be able to get out to uh, you know, maybe some smaller tournaments or Uh, you know, even maybe be able to pick up some, uh, some pickup games or something of that effect with other uh, AAU clubs or whatnot. So I I think it's a great move for him. Um, I don't think it does anything to hurt Oregon's chances in terms of recruiting him. I think it's just, you know, I think it's just merely a matter of circumstance. uh, And, uh, you know, I guess uh, kudos to the Biddle family for, for having the means to be able to do that as well.
0: Yeah, you you posted this story on the site. I bring it up just because, A, we don't talk enough about that men's basketball team at Oregon. They're really good. I want to give them some love. And, uh, and then, then, then you pointed out, this is a local story. You're talking about the best high school basketball player in our state. And I think without question, from what I've seen over the last couple of years, the best high school basketball player in our state on the men's side, and uh, somebody that has some really prestigious scholarship offers, including the Ducks, somebody that Dana Altman has recruited really hard over the last couple of years, and somebody that is leaving the state and on the outside, I think that scares a lot of people. It, it certainly surprised a lot of people here in the Rogue Valley, um, but you you point out the context. I agree with you. It, it might not necessarily be what I would have done or would have advised him to do, but I see the appeal. He gets to work with his AAU coach, who coaches at that school, Prolific Prep, and he gets to up his level of competition every day. It's going to be a win for him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a I mean, it's an easy choice in my opinion, if that's the goal is to get better. Um, you know, because, you know, let's be real. If he stays down here in the, in the, in the rogue Valley in Southern Oregon, he's, you know, he's just not going to get that type of work down right. here. And, and, you know, we have the lab down here. Those guys do a great job, but you know, you can't hold a candle to something like prolific prep, which travels nationally. Um, uh, you know, as always, is always churning out, out guys going, you know, division one, pac 12, major, major basketball programs. And, uh, and again, I know, uh, I think it was pointed out, uh, you know, that, that he's an ex Arizona assistant, but Oregon has been able to recruit there before. I don't believe that that's going to be an issue at all. Um, and if I had to guess, he, who knows, he might, he might even have some choice things to say about Sean Miller at Arizona, who doesn't seem <laughs> to be winning people over, no. uh, as of no. late. So, um, and, and you're talking about NorCal, you know, I, I, it's just, it's, you know, he's going to come home and see his family all the time. I, I, I think the Ducks are the team to beat there. I think the Ducks have been the team to beat there. I know they're a very tight knit family, uh, the Biddle family, and I, I think he would really love to have the chance to stay you know, close to home and and, and play in front of his uh, and play in front of his family. In, yeah. At the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the connections are 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 wide there. I, his dad played at my alma mater, if I'm not mistaken, Oregon Tech. So I know that. Um, you know staying in state for college would be a big deal for them this is just total guesswork by me i i do not pretend to be the recruiting guru like you or our uh, our buddy core and your folks at scoop duck but really the only wild card for me i'm with you on oregon i think oregon's the favorite maybe there's a chance somebody bigger swoops in at the last minute like a duke but that's a big maybe Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, his top four, it was all West coast. I mean, it was Arizona, uh, UCLA, Gonzaga and Oregon. I'm sure Arizona is a bit of a threat. I wouldn't completely rule out Gonzaga as well because they've obviously have a a, a very good history with bigs um, and developing them and, and and getting them into the league. And that's a hell of a basketball program up there too. So I wouldn't totally eliminate them, but I just, man, I really got to think the ducks have the upper hand. I think, I think this is one where, uh, location, uh, really, really helps the ducks, uh, seal the deal. But, uh, you know, even, even to your point of, of not following recruiting, I definitely would have to say, I don't follow basketball recruiting, you know, to the level of others. However, in the case of, of Nate Biddle, uh, you know, my son does go to school with him or did go to school with him. And, uh, he lives right down the road from me, so I, I seem to have a little bit of a, of a tie in there. Yeah. At, at least, at least in this instance.
0: Yeah, and I've spoken to the, I've spoken to Nate. I I know his family, um, and and know what he's been doing because I have my my connections here locally with some of the coaches, and um, nobody's ever said a bad word about the young man. I the 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 comparison that always got thrown out to me was somebody that I grew up alongside Kyle Singler who we all remember um, Medford legend state champion high school basketball player goes to Duke plays in the NBA Um, EJ Singler's brother so somebody with some duck ties and um, I think this kid can still live up to that so I'm excited I'm hopeful that he ends up uh, in a green and yellow uniform someday, and we'll just have to kind of see how that last chapter unfolds before we get there. Um, yep. yep. Uh, you know, uh, I, I guess we could talk about. Uh, we could talk about. Uh, you're you're going to bend today. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and here no, I'm yapping
1: no it's uh yeah it's fantasy football weekend for me um which is I, I am going to be and i i am being absolutely truthful when i say this i have i i i bought my first fantasy football magazine yesterday i have yet to even open it up other than paying for it and kind of looking at it real quick and saying yep this will do i haven't looked at a list i haven't looked at a website <laughs> uh i you know i i guess just i you know it's something i I mean, I'm super amped to go because this is the one with all my buddies that I went to uh, high school with together. Um, and so, you know, this is kind of our hurrah or our excuse to get together uh, every year. And we were actually, this was the year we were going to go to Nashville and we were going to do the draft in Nashville this year and spend, you know, a, a longer weekend in Nashville together and having fun. But uh, obviously with COVID here in the last, you know, couple months, we decided that, this was not the year to, to take a trip to Nashville. Cause most of those guys had never been, I've been to Nashville a few times, but right. they'd never been, and we wanted to wait till it was, you know, more open and everything was, 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 was kind of semi-normal before we wasted a bullet doing that one. So um, yeah, so it's, it's draft weekend and we're just going to go up to Ben. Cause one of my friends owns a house up there and we'll just kind of hunker down and, and drink some beer and some other things and, and you know, play some cornhole and watch the Blazers tonight and, and, uh, and, and, uh, just have our usual shenanigans.
0: Yeah. How big of a surprise was game one for you?
1: Uh, I, you know, it was a surprise in the fact that, uh, it was as close as it was. I thought, you know, with the way the game opened up, I felt like that was going to be the game. The Blazers are going to open it up. Uh, you know, Nurk was going to be a problem. Although I have, I, I, I I dislike him immensely. Anthony Davis had a, uh, or excuse me, Dwight Howard had a pretty good game and, and help them down low. Uh, you know, obviously AD had a pretty good game from a, from a points perspective, um, you know, and, and LeBron, I mean, you know, he's going to get his, I mean, the, the key is to, to keep him from taking over a game. I think, um, you know, in any time, if you can, and it's not that, it's not that the blazers limited. him. He got a triple double, mm-hmm. but, um, it was, in my mind, at least to me, it was a semi-quiet triple-double. You know, it didn't feel like, you know, LeBron had taken over the game and, and everybody else was just watching the show. Um, so I think for the Blazers, the fact that they won, and I think I think C.J. McCollum played a good game. He didn't play a great game. And the fact that, you know, the, the, that Nurk didn't have to score a ton of points I think that those things give me optimism for the rest of the series because I think we'll see we'll see better production out of McCollum and Nurk. And if the Blazers can get Collins back, I think that makes them even stronger. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing when you think about it. Of course it takes a pandemic, but we could be staring down a world where in the span of a year, the ducks win the Rose Bowl, the I mean, all the, obviously the accomplishments they had in basketball season, count those two. And then you have, uh, Oregon's major league soccer team, my beloved Timbers win a title and then the Blazers maybe go on a Cinderella run. Yeah. I I hope, I hope you don't jinx it
1: by saying that, but yeah, no, it's, it's, for a for a really weird year in sports it's been a pretty good year for those of us at least in the pacific northwest footprint uh you know following the blazers following the timbers um you know obviously oregon's uh oregon had a really good season last year to finish out and and basketball looked like they were poised to make a run there uh in the ncaa tournament that didn't end up happening but uh yeah, at least we have the Blazers for the next however many weeks to get us by. And and then uh, and then I don't know what we're going to do after that because, unfortunately, baseball is not going to move the needle for me no matter what happens.
0: <laughs> uh, that's a good note to wrap this. Justin Hopkins always keeping it real with us. Scoop duck and hi Um What do you want to talk about the next time we have a pod? Uh, the next time we, we have a pod,
1: I'm, I'm hopeful that we have a guest, so that will occupy some time. And I'm hopeful I'm not – it's not realistic, but it would be nice to have some better idea of the plan for a season, uh, football season, if we will have one. And also I would love – I think I would love to hear that the SEC and ACC have folded up shop <laughs> for their fall football so that we can stop talking about how awesome of a conference and how strong they are and how they're better than everybody else and we can get back to having an even playing field.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, everybody's Paul Feinbaum impression is getting pretty old. Uh, Hopefully we'll talk about that next week. He's Justin Hopkins. I'm Matt Bagley. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for the comments we always get. You can leave us a comment, scoopduck.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and uh, listen to us, literally any podcast app. Just look up. Scoop Duck and our podcast is Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening Have a great day Go Ducks!